Hello and welcome to Grace Life Stellenbosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. You know that I'll give you a promise. Every statement I make here, although it may sound like it's relaxed, it comes from the Bible. You may not understand it. It might take me having to explain it to you now or later, but every statement I make comes from the Bible. Amen. Even when I, when I say that the reason why you marry is so that you become more effective in what you're doing. Amen. For that one, if you want to understand that one better, you go and read First Corinthians chapter 7. Okay? Don't just stick to your old uh, King James Version. That's why you don't understand them, because you missed the English there. You missed the English. Let's go to the book of Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. The book of Revelations. You know, in church, in Harare, we are teaching on the book of Revelation. I've been teaching for, I think, from the beginning of the year or somewhere there. Introducing it, and people are so encouraged. They're just wowed with the truth of the gospel in the book of Revelation. Imagine. And yet, when we see some people go to those books, they come up with weird, weird things. As if what Jesus came for expired in the book of Revelation. It does not expire. So let's read Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you hast, thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. The word pleasure there is purpose or plan. So God created everything for his plan, for his purpose, including you and me. Amen. So how many of you know that God has got a right to say what he wants to say over our lives? Because he created us for his sake. We are not our own. We don't own ourselves. We, are, we were bought by the blood of Jesus. We belong to someone. You see, freedom in Christ is freedom from Satan, the world, and all the other things, <laughs> but bond servant to Jesus. Okay, I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking about that later on, maybe in the next um, session. So there's nothing that God does for your pleasure. Ouch! Can I say that again? Yes. There is nothing that God does for your pleasure. That's what this verse is saying. Everything he created for his own pleasure. Everything God does, He does for His own pleasure. But because God is good, you get to benefit a lot. Amen? What He created, He created for His pleasure. You were created for His pleasure. You are born for His pleasure. You are saved for His pleasure. Praise the Lord. He created us for His own pleasure. I mean, uh, somebody there with a phone here, yeah? 
This is an iPhone for the great apostle of Jesus Christ, Pastor Shay. He bought this phone for himself, isn't it? For his pleasure. Okay? Let's say if I step on this phone and it cracks or now it's not working. When he is taking this phone for repairs, is he doing it for the phone or for himself? So when God is cleansing you of your sins and doing all those things, is he doing it for you or for himself? Answer. For his pleasure, isn't it? Let's do this. Let's go to, it was not in my notes, but let's go there. Isaiah. Isaiah 43. Where are we? 43 verse 25. I want to take it from Ah, good. I'll take it from the from the from the New Living Translation. It says, I even I. You know what it means? I even I means you have got no part to play. It's an emphasis that this is God business only. You don't contribute. So he says, I even I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own. I don't know, I don't know if you think he did it for you. <laughs> he says, I'm doing it for my own sake. Uh. That sake is so that you will be able to function in the purpose he created you for. And that's why we are here. Uh. Are we together? Let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. I'm reading from the Living Bible. It says, Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven and earth. The things we can see and the things we can't see. What are the things we can't see? The wicked spirits, the angels, the gods, all those other spiritual beings. He created them. The spirit world with its kings and kingdoms, its rulers and authorities, all were made by Christ for his own use and glory. Hey, so I'm going to refuse to be used for the purpose you are created for. To do that is the very core of idol worship. You worship self as God. You don't submit to God as God. You want to do what you want to do when you want to do how you want to do it. Because you think you don't belong to, en- to anyone. You think you are your own. Sometimes people really tend to think that if you do something and it succeeds, yeah. you do something and it, you, it does well, then God is in it. Do you think, do you know you can do something it will do perfectly well and God is not in it? Do you know that they were doing perfectly well building the tower in Babel and God was not in it? And then sometimes people think that when you do something and it does not succeed, then God is not in it. All those things are not true. 
as children of God, there are things competing for our attention, time and resources. But because we have the Spirit of God, we should be able, we should be able to overcome such things so that we get on with the business of our Father's kingdom. There are many things that occupy our time, that take our resources, occupy our minds even, things that are good in themselves, things that are not sinful in themselves. But there's a particular agency and the preeminence that the work of winning souls and bringing them to maturity ought to have in our lives. We must commit to do the work of God in season and out of season. In the midst of many things competing for our attention, we must persevere with the work of winning souls. We must multiply. When it suits us, when it does not suit us, when it's difficult, when it's easy, when we have money, when we have got no money, we must do the work of multiplication. When it is convenient and when it is not. When it is opportune and when it is not. In season and out of season, we must fulfill our ministry. We must fulfill the office of the birthright. Amen. Are we together? Now I want you to listen and listen carefully on the next passage that we are going to read. And as you listen carefully, it's going to enable you to identify the things that you have thought are hindering you from fulfilling your ministry. And you are going to see that if you really allow the Spirit to work in and through you, you will be able to persevere and come through at the end doing the will of God. Let's go to First Samuel chapter 6. I mean, am I Old Testament? You think I'm Old Testament? <laughs> Hallelujah. First Samuel chapter 6, verse 7 to 13. I'll read from the New King James. Now, therefore, make a new cut. I'll give you a background. Uh, what had happened with the, with the, with the um, Philistines that gotten the Ark of the Covenant into their land and um, from Israel, okay? And they were having so many problems in the land because of that Ark of the Covenant. Even their God dug and uh, uh, fell over his own temple when the Ark was there, okay? So they, they perceived that I think all these evils are coming upon us because of this thing that we took from Israel. So they sent forth to say that let us send it to uh, send it back to Israel. And see if our problems come to an end. And they had a particular test for that. Let's see now. Now therefore, make a new cut. Take two milk cows. Say milk cows. Milk cows. Which have never been yoked. Look, these, these cows have got babies. And they have never been yoked, which means it's a strange thing even. But look what's going to happen. And he hitched the cows to the cart. 
and take the cows home. So they are going to separate the cows from their mothers and lock the cows, or in fact, put the cows somewhere and yoke the, the mothers and put the ark of the covenant on the cart. And they say they drive the what? The cows so that they go to Israel. What is the instinct of the cow? To go to the what? Cows. A lot of you, you obey instinct more than obeying God. Let's see. Let's see. Take the cows home, away from them. Verse 8. Then take the ark of the Lord and set it on the cart and put the articles of gold which are returning to him, uh, which we, you are returning to him as a trespass offering. So they had to put some, some, some offering, okay, along with it. In a chest by its side. Then send it away and let it go. The milking cows, the cart, they are yoked. It's their first time on the yoke. They are supposed to take this God-caring presence to Israel. Amen? And watch, if it goes on the road to its own territory, to Beth Shemesh, then he has done us this great evil. If they go, these cows, if they go there, yeah. then we know all the evils befell us because of that thing that was here. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by chance. Or maybe it's just happening because it's, it's flu season. <laughs> Verse 10. Then the men did so. They took the two milk cows and hitched them to the cart and shut up their cows at home. Verse 11. And they set the ark of the Lord on the cart and the chest on the, with the gold reds and the images of the tumors, verse 12. Then the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemas and went along the way, lowing. What is lowing? They are lowing for their young ones, but they are obeying God. It is not easy, it is not convenient. It is against the instinct. But all the way, they are going to Israel. They are going. It is not convenient. But a God-created creature can respond to God. Amen. How much more you, the son of God? Let's carry on. Where was I? Verse, uh, and they went lowing as they went and did not turn aside to the right or to the left. They were not distracted. They were not distracted. And the lords of the Philistines went after them to the border of Beth Shemesh. They are just following. Saying, are they really going or oh, they are coming back to the cows? Are they really going? And they went until they went to the border. They went until Bedbridge. Amen. <laughs> Verse 18. Now the people of Beth Shemas were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley. And they lifted their eyes and saw the ark. And they rejoiced to see it. 
So you see here from this story, you see that obeying your wants, obeying your instincts, obeying your desire could simply mean you are not obeying God. You are in disobedience. The cows could have naturally, by instinct, obeyed the, 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 the urge to go and feed the little ones. But they didn't. Are the cows better than you? Can the cows do better than you? What is it that is keeping you from doing the work of God? So sometimes, not obeying your instincts and desires does not mean you are out of God's will. Or let me put it this way. You know, sometimes you see, who doesn't like a nice car here? We all like nice cars. Nice houses. These are the things we desire. These are our desires. But not having a nice car does not mean that. Does not mean that you are not in the will of God. Not having plenty money does not mean that you are... There are people who have equated the, 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 the will of God to having a lot of money. The Bible says stay away from such people. Do you know that? Yeah. Amen. Stay away from such people. It doesn't say pray for them. It doesn't say argue with them. God's wisdom says stay away from them. The people want to judge you whether your faith is strong by the car you drive, the house you live in, the money you are, or the job you are doing. Oh, you are looking at me like that. Let me go. Let me take you to the scripture. Let's go to First Timothy. So I, I, quickly, I, I quickly run back to the word so that you, you deal with God, not me. First Timothy chapter 6. I'll take it from verse 5 and I want to pick up the... Um, the um, I'll take the living Bible, then I'll, I'll take the new living translation for a special reason. Let's read from um, verse 4. Anyone who says anything different is both proud and stupid. You know, sometimes you think I'm being profane when I tell you some people are stupid. Yeah, this is the word of God. Is the language of the Bible. Is the language of the Spirit. He says, verse 4, he is quibbling, quibbling over the meaning of Christ's words and stirring up arguments, ending in jealousy and anger, which only lead to name-calling, accusations, and evil suspicions. Listen carefully now. These arguers, which arguers are these? You're going to nail them. The, their minds warped by sin don't know how to tell the truth. To them, the good news is just a means of making money. Keep away from them, all those prosperity preachers. Bible says keep away from them. They are devoid of the truth. Is it wrong to have money? It's not wrong to have money. But faith does not equal to having big money. You can go and make money, but you don't come to Jesus to make money. You can make money without Jesus. You don't need Jesus to make money. You can become a billionaire without Jesus. Are we on the same page now? 
Okay, let me put it this way. Having all the things you desire does not mean you are in God's will. So you look at the guy, he's got a, a car, a jet, a nice house, dressed nice, wife, children, everything is going perfectly okay. You say, wow, you're so blessed. You know, you could be talking to a person who is cursed. A cursed person can have all those things. A cursed person can have all those things. Esau had more money than Jacob. Do you know who was, who was blessed more? Uh, Jacob had the blessing. Esau had more money. Yeah. When Jacob went, when he ran away, because he thought his brother was going to kill him, he ran away to, to Laban. When he was coming back, he was afraid. So he tried to send a bride, a bride with his servants to go and give um, uh, Esau. You know what Esau told him? He said, forget with your money. I, I've got enough. I got money, my boy. Can you see? Against the person. Praise the Lord. Anyone who teaches you to give so that you can get, to give so that you can be blessed, they just want your money and they have got no manners to ask for it nicely. They are rude in asking. God will bless wicked people. Do you know that? The huh? way I don't, I don't want to leave those things uh, loose. Let's go to, let's go to uh, Luke six. Imagine this verse is used for giving when it's not. It shouldn't be used for that. Six thirty-eight. 634 rather. I'm reading from the Living Bible. Look, it says, love your enemies. Why would God tell you to love your enemies? Because that's what he does. God cannot instruct you to do better than him. Is that so? He says, love your enemies. Do good to them. So God it means if you are to do good to your enemies, it means God does good to his enemies. <laughs> and you, Christians, you don't like that. <laughs> and then he says, lend it to them. That word lend just means give to them. And don't be concerned about the fact that they won't repay. He's saying, give without expecting anything in return. But in church, you are being told, give so that something will come to you. That is wicked. Then it says, then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be truly acting as sons of God. So sons of God give without expecting a return. Sons of God give not to meet their need. They give to meet the needs of others. <coughs> carry on. Let's carry on. For he is kind. Who is this? God. He is kind to the unthankful. Not to those who pay tithe. To those who Get money, they don't even pay time. God is good to them. He is good to the unthankful and to those who are very, not wicked, who are very wicked. So when a person is telling you to give so that you can get, don't have kind words for such people. Because the Bible is saying God is good. That word good means they do to profit those people. The people who are wicked, God is good to them. 
The people who are unthankful, God is good to them. But your pastor tells you, put tithe here so that God will bless you. Is that part? Uh, let me leave these words. Okay. So, having all the things you desire does not mean you are in God's will. In fact, hallelujah. Hallelujah. In fact, it could just be the proof that you are not in God's will. If these cows had turned to God the, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the babies, were they going to be in God's will? No. But they would have gone to get what they wanted. Is that so? And not having what you desire does not mean that you are out of God's will. It does not mean that you don't have faith because faith is for salvation. Listen to this statement now. Many, many things that Christians celebrate as a blessing, many, many things that people celebrate as testimonies are just temptations to abandon God's plan for your life. You come to church, I've got a testimony. All you are celebrating is those things are proof positive that you are not in God's will. Amen. Is it better to have testimonies? It's good. But your testimony must fall together with your purpose. Go in that direction with your purpose. If your testimony takes, away, takes you away from purpose, then it's a very ungodly testimony. God's will is not my will. Say that, everyone. Don't try to lie to me. God's will is not your will. Yeah, God's will is not your will. Don't try to be holy with me. Yeah. God's will is not your will. What do I mean? My will or your will is not God's will. My will or your will is not equal to God's will. My will or your will has to respond and subject itself to God's will. Are we together? Yes. Don't think like, if you don't feel like it, then God doesn't feel like it. You might be not feeling like it, but God feels like it. You must submit your will to the will of God. Praise the Lord. It was so with our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll read quickly Mark 14 verse 36. And he said, Abba Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but what thou will. So, our times had come. He had a conflicting will, which had to be submitted to the will of the Father. So it shall be with all of us. It doesn't mean the people who are going to Bulgaria or where again? Belgium, Albania. It doesn't mean that they've got nothing to do. They've just submitted their will to the will of God. In their own will, they had plans to do something else if he had not come up with a trip. They wouldn't say, I'm sleeping all the time. No, they would be doing stuff. But they have to sub we have to submit our will to the will of God. 
The cows submitted their will to the will of God. Their will was to go to the babies. But they went with the will of God. Praise the Lord. There are always options, but we must purpose in our hearts to pursue God's plan. Sometimes, even the way we pray, they take us away from God's plan. We must learn to pray, to pray in order to submit ourselves to God's plan. Are we together? And the will of God is not something you obey only when it's comfortable and convenient. The will of God is to be obeyed at all costs, at all times. That is to worship God. God's will, this is a big one. God's will is written. It's not something you pray for. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you are in the light and you are praying for light, you end up in darkness. Amen. You don't pray for God's will to know God's will. God's will is written. You read. What you pray for is you pray that you, are, you submit your will to God's will. Jesus was not praying, oh God, you know when it's painful, Say, oh God, is it your will that I go there? No, he was not praying. He knew the will of God. He was praying to submit to the will of God, not to know the will of God. The will of God is written. It's not something you pray for. Ah, I'm still praying to see what God wants me to do. God wants you to multiply. When it is convenient, when it is not convenient, when it is easy, when it is not easy, God wants you to multiply. Let's see the will of God. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 to 4 in King James. I read it last night. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. We will have all men to be saved. How many men will have to be saved? Oh. When we were coming here, when you woke up from your house and you were preparing to come and you were coming indeed, maybe you stopped at the gas station, maybe you, whatever you did. How many of you didn't meet anyone until you got here? You met no one. It was just you from your house, beeline to here, and you did not see anyone. Anyone? You didn't see anyone. Which road did you use? <laughs> Were you dropped here by a helicopter? I <laughs> Okay, that's cool. Those people you saw, God wants them to be saved. Who is going to save them? Who is going to preach to them? You who saw them. <laughs> Can you see? So it's easy to find the will of God. He wants all men. Some people want to pray. There's a lot of religiosity in Christianity. Oh, I want to pray. Oh, God did not lead me to that one. He led you today. He wants all men to be saved. He led you to every man today. One day, I don't know who was here, uh, who was here in, in, um, in uh, Zimbabwe. One of them mission trips before COVID I think it was 
They came to, uh, to Zimbabwe, we went to Bulawayo. And then as we were driving, I was driving the combi. As we were driving to the shops, it was a Tuesday. On Tuesdays in Harare, in, in we have what is called, um, what is it called? Pizza something, pizza. It's called crazy, crazy Tuesday or something. Crazy, what Tuesday? Something Tuesday, where you buy one pizza and get two. It, what is it? No, it's called Terrific Tuesday. It, uh, I got it now. Terrific Tuesdays. You know, it's called Terrific Tuesdays. So it was a Tuesday. So we thought it was an advantage on our shoeless budget to go two for one for lunch. So we're driving there. And I was talking to them. I said, you guys, you did not come all the way from Cape Town to just look at all the vagrants who are lying in the, in the park and go there and say you are doing a mission. How about the man who is driving in the city's Exactly. How about the man in, a, in that suit? Is, is he not part of the old man? A lot of people, you just want to trace all those homeless people and preach the gospel to them. How about the people in the houses? The high court judge, the bank manager, the lawyer, they need Christ. All men to be saved. So I said, you guys, I want you to target even those people you see, they are looking affluent. So as we were going there, we got there, we parked, and we saw a man in his black, big Range Rover. He was looking big and important. I said, they, those are the people you must evangelize. They thought I was joking. So we were talking, we were talking, and I think no one could, I don't know if anyone is here who was there. Ah, ah, hallelujah. In Bulawaya, eh? Right. So, we got out and then we bought our pizza. He went there also, he bought our pizza, so he, his pizza. So he's, he's waiting, looking important. Uh, on the corner here, he's really looking like... Uh, and I said to these guys, some guys said, watch me. So I went to, those, I went to that guy. I, I greeted him. Right there, I started ministering the gospel. As he was waiting for his pizza, I ministered the gospel. Right there, I said, hold my hand, look in my eyes, let's do the prayer. You receive Christ right there, waiting for pizza. But you respect his range over. You want the one who is sleeping in the park? Who is going to serve these people? God wants all men to be saved. As you go to on the mission, those who are going on the mission, try the president of the country. You, you, you see, you solve more problems than serving a beggar. You solve more problems, and that president of the country will multiply more effectively than the beggar. We still approach the beggars. We want them saved. Because he said, all men to be saved. Praise the Lord. So the Bible tells us that from, from Moses from Moses and the Psalms and all the prophets, it was written about who? About Jesus. Yeah? Open the book of uh, Luke chapter 24 verse 27. King James, okay? Amen. Are you there? Yeah. Now, let's read it together. 
and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things written about beginning at Moses what is Moses? the first five books of the Bible and all the prophets he expounded unto them in all the scriptures what are the scriptures? Genesis to Malachi what was written concerning himself which means from Genesis to Malachi it's not talking about the history of creation it's not talking about tithing it's talking about Jesus what is Jesus? savior of the world and that's the subject matter. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So the whole Bible is about this story. The Bible is not about scientists. If you put science in the Bible, you miss it. If you go and argue with the scientists using the Bible, they will take you to the dustbin. They will make you a fool. And you will harden their hearts for the gospel. Praise the Lord. The subject matter of the Bible is salvation through Christ Jesus. Finish. I've heard people who say, there is no subject in the Bible does not touch on. There are many subjects the Bible does not touch on. The Bible doesn't know nuclear physics. You can't go to Bible for nuclear physics. The Bible doesn't do banking there. In fact, the Bible will get you broke. Because it will tell you to give and give and give and give and give. Jesus told that block says, go and sell everything and follow me. How, how, how much banking is that? How is that advice from a banker? <laughs> Hallelujah. So the Bible is about Jesus. Let's read First uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. I'm just trying to emphasize the will of God, okay? This is a faithful saying and the word of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. What is Paul saying when he says of whom I am chief? He is not saying he was the chiefest. He saying of whom I was former. That's English there. Of whom I was before. That's what, he mean, that's what it means there. The King James sort of twists things also sometimes. Amen. <coughs> Christ Jesus came to make people prosperous. Is that why he came? Did he come to make you married uh, fellas? Did he come so that you can buy a jet? He came to save sinners. Of whom Paul, I'm not him, I'm not Paul. I had my part of sin, but Paul was a sinner also. Okay? So the whole volume of the Bible is written about who? Jesus. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7. Verse 7. Then said, I law, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. It is not written of science. It is not written of business. It is not written of marriage. It is written of me. To do thy will, O God. So the volume of the book is for one subject, salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It's not a book about history of creation. It's not a book about prosperity. There are many poor people there. Who was, who was, who was more blessed? Lazarus or the rich man? It was Lazarus who was blessed. 
He was eating from the bin, a blessed man. The cursed man was living in luxury. But time came, like time is going to come for each of us. When we will know who is blessed. When we will know who was working for the blessing. When we know who was serving in the office. He says, Esau sought for repentance. He was regretting why he went for the stool, not to the office. But by the time he was looking for it, there was no place of repentance found for him. All of us here, when we appear before Jesus, and he wants us to account for what we did with the gospel, it would be too late to say, I wish I was in Stellenbosch again, and I would evangelize the whole university. It would be too late. There will be no place found for your repentance. You will regret it in eternity. You have an eternal regression. Because Esau realized, like you are all going to realize, that all the things you are spending time on besides the gospel are, are vain things. It's vanity. So Esau found out it was vanity, but by the time he found out, there was no time for repentance. You too, you are going to find out, and it will be too late to fix things. You'll be in the presence of the Lord. You wish you listen to me. And he is going to tell you, I sent Pastor Isaac from Zimbabwe. <laughs> You've got no excuse. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We thank God for grace, isn't it? Because we would like to settle this kind of thing right here and then. Isn't it? If it was not for grace. <laughs> Hallelujah. So looking for the blessing. Let's go to Titus chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. Are you right? Yes. Okay. Titus chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. So we're doing very well. So... I think I see I'm going to empty everything that the Lord had on my heart for you. Titus chapter 2 verse 18 to 14. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? The great God. Is he going to come back? From where? Where did he go? Did he say goodbye? To who? The appearing. It says the appearing, does it say? Appearing. The appearing. It doesn't say for the return. Christ is not going to return. Christ is not going to come back. He never said goodbye. He says, I am with you until the end of the age. What is until the end of the age? Until the fulfillment of this project. Until this, we wrap up this project. Amen. So I watched yesterday some men who could not explain why Jesus is God, how Jesus is God. Here he's saying, for the appearing of the great God and our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the word end there in Greek is the word kai, K-A-I. It can be used in two different ways. It can be used like this. This is Pastor Shane and Marna's husband and William's father. So it's an addition. Plus, plus, plus. Okay? The word can be used as, as such a conjunction. But 
this is this is not the the the, the um uh, the meaning here. The meaning here is that. Oh, that is the meaning. We said this is Isaac saying, yeah. who is Marna's husband, who is William's father. Am I talking of two different people? Yeah. It's the same person. Yeah. So we could say in English, this is Pastor saying, who is also Marna's husband, who is also William's father. I'm talking about the same person. So there, Jesus Christ and God are not two people. It's saying that, that it's called the, what do you call it in Bible study? The KS rule. Kai substantive rule. Okay? It means, when we say God, and then we say end, the end is further explanation of that God. Not an addition of something else. So we are saying, this is, our great God, our great God, who is Jesus Christ? Can you see now? So you see there, the appearing of our great God, the end there is who is the Savior Jesus Christ? So it's one person. A lot of people worship three gods. A God called the Holy Spirit, a God called the Son, and a God called the Father. There is one God. We must be able to explain how Jesus is God. We must be able to explain how Jesus is Son. I think I did a bit of that in the morning. <laughs> and how He is the Spirit. The same person. Showing in different forms. A lot of people think that when we go to heaven, we are going to see the Holy Spirit sitting there. We are going to see the Father in the middle. We are going to see the sun on that, that. That is like idolatry. That is not visit of God. When we say he's seated on the right hand of the Father, it does not mean right hand side. It's not a geographical location. I mean, Jesus is not sitting on the right hand side of the Father. He is sitting on the right hand of the Father. That's an Old Testament term, which means the manifestation of God among men. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you learning something? Yes. Where was I? So we're talking about that. So the term looking for is not passive. It's active, actively occupying ourselves with the work that will hasten or that is favorable to his appearing. Did you hear that? When it says looking, that way you're looking. It's not a passive term like just ogling and things like that. It's looking, it means it's an active, participative occupation with the things that favor or that works in favor of his appearing. What is that? The preaching of the gospel. Because the gospel must go global. Then the end will be. Isn't it? So, if you are looking forward to the, to the appearing of Jesus, you must be doing something. Yes. Hallelujah. Do we really believe that whatever the will of God was, it was so important to God that God himself had to humble himself and come 
down by himself to accomplish that very will and plan of God. It was so important. Do you take that will of God to be that important? You know, we say, for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, and he began to see money. Because you are in idol worship, money is your God. How did he become poor? From God to becoming human being. Is that not poverty? Where did Jesus walk around throwing money? Jesus had women giving him money to do ministry. When somebody wanted to follow Jesus, he says, I don't even have a house to go and sleep in. Mm. He, he, he did not have a... We miss things. Of all his disciples, which one had bucks? The immediate people that he was working with, he left. Which one was rich? Which one had money? The money that you are looking to have. And the neglecting what they did. A bunch of 11 guys, 12 guys. Look at what they got the gospel to. If they were looking for jets, if they were looking for houses, if they were looking for art, would they have gotten the gospel here? No. So sometimes the things you celebrate as testimonies, they are things that are really a rebellion from God. Yeah. And this is why the prosperity gospel was are dangerous. They are the snake in the garden of Eden. Is it better to have money? It's not better to have money. But having money has got nothing to do with Jesus. Let me show you how he got poor here. Let's read um, Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 to 8. In your life together, think the way Christ Jesus thought. I'm reading from the easy to read version. Philippians 2 verse 5 to 8. In your life together, think the way Jesus Christ thought. He was like God in every way. But he did not think that his being equal with God was something to use for his own benefit. Instead, he gave up everything. That's the, that's the becoming poor of it. Are we together? That's how he became poor. I mean, if I have my car today, I have my car today, and then I die, and then you think, you, 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 you tell say, no, Pastor Isaac said I must have that car. <laughs> Pastor said, say, okay, have it. And then I'm raised from death. Is it, is, this, is it not my car? Are you going to take it? So that's not the inheritance. Because this guy is alive. He did not leave things so that you can take things. He is alive with us. Instead, he gave up everything. That's the becoming poor of it. Even his place with God. That's the becoming poor of it. He gave up that loved position of, of wealth. He accepted his role of a servant. Can you see from being God to being servant? Is that not becoming poor? But no man involved. Appearing in human form during his life as a man, he humbled himself by being fully obedient to God, even when that caused his death, death on the cross. Now, 
You for who Jesus came. Are you willing? What are you willing to spare in the service of God's will? Jesus did not spare anything. Are you willing to humble yourself and even be inconvenienced to see to it that the will of God over the earth comes to be? Are you willing? Or you are too important? I'll take you again to First Timothy chapter four, chapter two, verse three to four. For this is good and acceptable. I'm reading from the World English Bible. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the full knowledge of the truth. Is this the will of God? Yes. So you cannot be in the will of God if you are not engaged. In having sinners saved. We said that last night. You cannot be out of God's will if you are involved in having people saved. Praise the Lord. It does not matter how healed you are. It does not matter how prosperous you are. It does not matter how married you are. If you are not getting people saved, you are not in the will of God. Finish. Amen. If you are healed, you are healed so that you will be effective in getting people saved. If you are prosperous, let it be in order to be effective or more effective in getting people saved. If you are married, let it be to make you more effective in getting people saved. If you are single, rejoice and praise God that you can be more effective in, in reaching out without all the cares of marriage. It's good to be married, but marriage is not your calling. Amen. Your calling is in Christ. The purpose of your marriage is to make you more effective in your calling. Otherwise, that marriage is ungodly and worldly. Sure. Say again. Amen. I told you this is the family's meeting. Where the father kind of instructs his children in the reality of the kingdom. Some of you came here to be blessed. And this is a blessing? Yeah? Yes. Awesome. You must be known by purpose. You must be known by what? Purpose. Let's go to Judges 4, verse 4. Judges 4, verse 4. We did very well today. We did very well today for yes. time. Hallelujah. Because I cut out a lot of things there. Maybe if I've got time, I can still play around. Judges 4, verse 4, I'm reading from the King James. Praise the Lord. Y'all know. Okay. All right, that's fine. Someone else. Uh, it's, it's okay. It's okay, uh, Moira. Uh, 
Who else I can? I don't want people who box me back. <laughs> uh, Herman, uh, Herman? Yeah. <laughs> just stay there. Just stay there. And um, Melissa. Mary, is it Melissa or Marilisa? Eh? Marilisa. Marilisa. Okay. All right. Listen to this, Judges 4, verse 4. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Labidoth, she judged Israel at a time. Can you see? A woman judging Israel. Somebody's lying to you, you are a helper. You are not going to ministry, you are a helper. You are helping your husband to ministry. This is Marilisa, the prophetess. It comes before being a your wife. We call it an apples. Look at this. Look at this. Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of something. <laughs> so we call you by peppers first. Then we say engineer, wife, or whatever other things you are talking about. We call you, you must be called by peppers. All the other qualifications come at the end. When you see, I talk to Pastor Shane, I said, Pastor Shane is my friend. But I say, Pastor Shane, it's not that I'm stupid. You know, if there's one thing that um, um, uh, is, the Lord has been dealing with me, especially concerning our friendship with uh, Pastor Shane, is that I must never forget what brought us together. I must never downgrade the relationship to anything less than what brought us together. We were brought together by purpose. We must keep purpose focused. Amen. Do you know when we when how many times have I come here and we've been to the beach? <laughs> Maybe once. Because we were not put together so that he can take me to the beach. It's nice to go to the beach. We are not locked in Zimbabwe. I like the beach. But that's not my purpose. I come here. On the on the on the on the on the on the ticket of the church, not to go to the beach. Sometimes you, you know you got very weird. Um, what you call them missionaries? Like you people, you going to the, to the then you start going to the beach there. Is that why you going there? And and the people are still walking the street and saying, "Then you going to the beach." So God has told me, has told me, and he's been he's still dealing with me. I don't know where he wants to get me to concerning his pastor Shane. That I must treasure. I must respect. I must honor this relationship without forgetting how it started. I must keep it the way it started. Amen? So it means my honor to him is honor to God, even as he is my friend. Because it's a spiritual relationship. We were brought together by purpose. And if we start... I think when you come to Zimbabwe, I've only taken you to Vic Falls once. Because we were all tired. <laughs> <laughs> After a good stint. Yeah. Amen. Because that's not when I come here, you know. Okay, let me spare you some strong words. So we must keep purpose, the focus. Who is in university here? University? You're in university. What's your name? Noma. Noma. 
This is normal. The providence of God, who is also a student. No, I'm a student. Excellent. What happened to purpose? Today, the telephone is not your purpose. We call you by purpose. That's why this is what the Bible says. Let's go to Second Kings chapter twenty-two. Second Kings chapter twenty-two, verse fourteen. I'm reading from the King James. Second Kings chapter twenty-two, verse fourteen. I'm reading from the King James. It says, "So he'll care the priest." Can you see what came first? And the the Haikem and the Akbo and Shabman and Ashahia went unto Hilda the prophetess. The wife of Shalom. Purpose comes first. You know, if your husband is, is got a lot of money, you want. Well, who's got money here? I don't know. The names in, my, in Stellenbosch with money. I know the Kuptas. <laughs> <laughs> but now they are, they are in kind of shadiness. You don't need their name anymore. <laughs> Rupert. Rupert. Uh, those ones. You, 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 you meet a guy at the shop, he says, who are you? I am the son of Rupert. He's got his own name. He doesn't want to tell us his name. I'm the son of Rupert. What happened to your name? <laughs> Rupert is his name. What is your name? So we are saying we must call by purpose. I am the apostle of God who is born of the Rupert. Purpose first. That's good. Amen. So that we keep our focus on papers. I will show you another block. Let's go to James 1.1. 1, 1. I'm reading from the New King James. James 1.1. 1, 1, New King James. James a born servant of God. And of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see the way you use that end? God who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. James a born servant of God. Can you see how James. Do you know this fella? Came from the same womb with Jesus. That fellow there. It could be easy for him to start boasting. He says, no, I'm, I'm his brother. But he says, born seven. He doesn't say my brother. Born seven. He goes by purpose. Born seven is a, is a, a voluntary slave. A voluntary slave. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a born servant of Jesus Christ. He doesn't say Paul, a, 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 a building contractor, an architect. An architect. Tent maker. Oh, he calls himself, it's not like he's in a job or business. But he says, I, Paul, a born servant of Jesus Christ. He calls himself by purpose first. Let's put purpose first. Let's go to Peter. All of them. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 1. New King James it says, Simon Peter, a born servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Can you see what was uppermost in their minds? Purpose. Who oh, am the, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the, uh, whatever, I'm the, I'm the dean of Stellenbosch University. Oh, I'm the president of Chuck Chuck. I'm all those things. Those things come after purpose. You must identify yourself. You must call yourself. You must introduce yourself by purpose. Purpose comes first. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. All of them who started that way. Let's look at another brother, Jude. Jude 1 verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James. He says, Jude, a born servant of Jesus. Do you know these guys used to be very proud? These James and Jude and them, they used to, be, they, they used to give Jesus a problem when he, before his death, when they were looking at him from the flesh. But now, they've seen the reality of Christianity. They're saying, I'm born servant, not I'm brother. Not I'm brother. They could easily, easily have uh, claimed the titles, even among the other apostles, by virtue of being uh, brothers of Jesus Christ. Amen. But they identified with purpose. You cannot call yourself by purpose and neglect that purpose. But if you don't call yourself by purpose, chances are you will neglect that purpose. Keep your focus on God's purpose for you. What is holding you up? What are you waiting for? To multiply. God is waiting for you. Is it your wife? <laughs> Today wives are in trouble. Is it your wife? Or the lack of wife? Is it your husband? Or the lack of husband? Is it money or the lack of money? Is it your business or the lack of business? Those things that you want, those things that you lust for, why do you want them? Do you want them for the same reason that God wants you to have them? Or do you want them for self-gratification? To feed your lust, to feed your ego, to feed your greed? Do you want them so that you can worship self or so that you can be worshipped? Oh, he's the guy who drives the best car in Stellenbosch. Or oh, he's the guy who's got the best this and that in Stellenbosch. So you are being worshipped. Is that why you want those things? God has got no problems having you having those things. But do you know why he wants you to have those things? Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18. It says, because God says he created everything for himself, isn't it? So it says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto his fathers, as it is this day. Whatever you get, whatever your achievement, God wants you to have it. But he wants you to have it for the purposes of having his covenant established over the whole earth. That's right. I know the prosperity preachers have twisted that verse also. God put everything in the earth so that the men who feed, who have money, who have whatever, and as they do that, they attend to the purpose of fulfilling God's plan. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Some people have problems with me when I tell you that you don't need money. You don't need Christ to have money. Do you know what God did? Okay, let's go to uh, uh, Psalms 104 verse 24. Psalms 104 verse 24. Oh Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. 
Where are the riches of God? In the earth. Are they in Christ? Who, who, who is... Why did God create the earth? For men, not for Christians. So every man on the earth has got access to those riches. Amen. You don't have to be a Christian to have those riches. I said last night, or is it this morning? If you can have it without Christ, that's not why you came. What Christ came for, you cannot have it outside of Him. If you can marry without Christ, that's not why He came. If you can buy a car without Christ, that's not why He came. If you can be rich like a like uh, Bugas without Christ. That's not why he came. What he came, it does not matter what a billionaire you are. What he came for, you cannot have it through money. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can only have it by, by the gospel. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You can find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca